Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Kitetse, animal welfare. Kitetse is about relationships between men and women, parents and children, employers and employees, lenders and borrowers. Strikingly, though, it's also about relationships between humans and animals. Descartes thought that animals didn't have souls, therefore you could do with them as you pleased. Judaism certainly doesn't believe that animals lack souls. The righteous person, says the book of Proverbs, cares about the nefesh, the soul of their animal. At least nefesh here probably means life rather than soul, but Tanakh does regard animals as sentient beings. They may not think and speak, but they do feel. They're capable of distress. Therefore, there is such a thing as Tzar Balei animal distress, and as far as possible, it should be avoided. So we read in Kitetse, don't muzzle an ox when it's treading grain. What's intriguing about this law is that it parallels provisions for human beings as well. When you come to work in your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you desire to satisfy your hunger. When you come to work in your neighbor's standing grain, you may take the ears with your hand. The principle is the same in both cases. It's cruel to prevent those working with food from eating some of it. The parallel is instructive. Animals, not just humans, have feelings and they must be respected. Another law is don't plough with an ox and donkey together. The ox is stronger than a donkey. So expecting the donkey to match the work of an ox is cruel. Each animal species has its unique role in the scheme of creation that we must respect. The most fascinating animal legislation in this parsha is the law of sending the mother bird away. If you come across a bird's nest beside the road, either in the tree or on the ground, and the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, don't take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go, so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life. Much has been written about this command. Here I discuss only the view of Moses Maimonides, which is fascinating in its complexity. There's a law that appears twice in the Mishnah saying that if a leader of prayers says, your mercies extend even to a bird's nest, they should be silenced. The Talmud offers two possible explanations, of which one is that such a prayer makes it seem as if the attributes of God are an expression of compassion, whereas in fact they are sheer decrees. In both his commentary to the Mishnah and his law code, Maimonides adopts this view. He adds, if the reason for sending the mother of bird away were divine compassion towards animals, then, in consistency, God should have forbidden killing animals for food. The law should therefore be understood as a decree, gzerat hakatuf, and has nothing to do with compassion, human or divine. In the Guide for the Perplexed, however, Maimonides adopts the opposite approach. There he rejects the very idea that there are commands that have no reason. There's a purpose to killing animals for food, he says, because meat-eating is necessary for human health. Shechita, ritual slaughter, however, has been ordained because it is the most painless way to kill an animal. He then continues like this. 
it is also prohibited to kill an animal with its young on the same day. In order that people should be restrained and prevented from killing the two together in such a manner that the young is killed in the sight of the mother. For the pain of the animals under such circumstances is very great. There is no difference in this case between the pain of human beings and the pain of other living beings, since the love and tenderness of the mother for her young ones is not produced by reasoning but by imagination, and this faculty exists not only in man but also in most living beings. The same reason applies to the law, which enjoins that we should let the mother bird fly away when we take the young. Listen to this. Maimonides is completely contrary to the position he takes in his law code. He here says that the law does have compassion as its logic. Moreover, what it seeks to avoid isn't physical pain to the animal, but psychological distress. Maimonides' view of animals has been confirmed by recent findings in biology that suggest that many species do indeed resemble humans in their ability to form groups engage in reciprocal altruism and display a range of emotions. In most animal species, it's the mother that forms an ongoing bond with the young. Among animals, fatherhood is much less developed. So Maimonides' explanation in the guide is empirically well-founded. However, elsewhere in his guide, Maimonides takes yet a third position. Divine providence, he says, extends to individuals only among humans. Among animals, it applies solely to species as a whole. So the reason we shouldn't cause animals pain or distress isn't because the terror is concerned about animals, but it's because it's concerned about us. We should not be cruel. So Maimonides seems to embrace three sharply conflicting views. View one, the law of the mother bird is a divine decree with no reason. Number two, the law is intended to spare the mother bird emotional pain. And number three, the law is intended to have an effect on us, not the animal, by training us not to be cruel. Well, this is problematic. But let me suggest an explanation. That all three are true because they answer different questions. The first, that is the divine decree, explains why we have the laws we have. The terror forbids certain acts that are cruel to animals, but not others. Why these are not those? Because that's the law. Law will always seem arbitrary, but we observe the law because it's the law, even though under certain circumstances we may reason that we know better or it doesn't apply. But the law is as it is because Hashem's decree, that is why certain Forms of cruelty to animals are forbidden and others, like shechita, are permitted, or at least permitted as painlessly as possible. The second view, which is the law is there to spare the, the mother uh, animal uh, emotional pain, explains the immediate logic of the law. It exists to prevent needless suffering to animals because they too feel physical pain and emotional distress. The third view sets the law in a larger perspective. Cruelty to animals is wrong, not because animals have rights, but because we have duties. The duty not to be cruel is intended to promote virtue, and the primary context of virtue is the relationship between human beings. Well, that, it seems to me, is 
Maimonides' subtle and nuanced approach. Animals are part of God's creation. They have their own integrity in the scheme of things. We now know that they are far closer to human beings than philosophers like Descartes thought. But that wouldn't have been news to the heroes of the Bible because Abraham, Moses and David were all shepherds who lived their formative years watching over and caring for animals. It was their first tutorial in leadership and they knew that this was one way of understanding God himself. Hashem Roi, the Lord, is my shepherd. Judaism also reminds us of what we sometimes forget, that the moral life is too complex to summarize in a single concept like rights. Alongside rights, there are duties, and there can be duties without corresponding rights. Animals don't have rights, but we do have duties toward them. As several laws in Kitetse and elsewhere make clear, we may not cause them unnecessary pain or emotional distress. And as we saw last week in the case of environmental legislation in Shuftim, Bereshit 1 gives us the mandate to subdue and rule creation, including animals, but Genesis 2 gives us the responsibility to serve and to guard. Animals may not have rights, but they have feelings, and we must respect them if we are to honor our role as God's partners in creation. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org/cc family edition.